Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey everyone, it's Brian. The real estate market is crazy. Finding an agent you can trust isn't easy. Thankfully, the one thing I'm more certain of than Brian Schottenheimer calling a running play on second and long is that you can trust John Hurlbut and his team in Altitude Homes. I know John personally, and nobody does it better in Pierce, South King, and Thurston County. So head on over to altitude-re.com HB to get real estate help you need. That's altitude-re.com HB. Or give them a call at 253-222-2626. Again, that's 253-222-2626. Go Hawks! Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan. It looks like we are live. Welcome, everybody, to what is a, I guess you could call a special edition, a special edition of Real Hawk Talk. Um, you know, Jeff, before we even started to do this, I was wondering if this if this specific show even deserved an episode number. I don't know. I don't know if this fits our usual brand. I don't know. I don't know if it does either. Um Tonight's show is going to be a little different, folks. Uh, you know, there's a you know we typically do like formal introductions and, and stuff like that with, with the whole crew, and you know we have like housekeeping items, announcements, and stuff like that. Uh, tonight's just going to be Jeff and I, uh, Jeff and I drinking and chilling and, and talking Seahawks, talking football, talking everything that's come out today. Um, it has been a, a wild 24 hours for the Seattle Seahawks, and um, you know, we do this podcast because we genuinely enjoy the Seahawks. I, there's obviously a lot of people that do this as, as their jobs, but you know, at least tonight you've got two fucking lunatics who love the Seahawks way too much. Oh yeah. And you know, we're bored and decided maybe we, maybe we should have a little bit of a conversation in light of what has happened the past 24 hours. But before we even get started, I am just going to mention one thing. I'm going to break my rule. We do have that show tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be sort of like a formal Super Bowl recap and, you know, entering the Seattle Seahawks offseason. And, and I think what we're actually going to do, correct me if I'm wrong, Jeff, is we're going to end up doing like a, a show series where we tackle different position groups in different shows. So I think tomorrow night we're going to start with quarterback, which is obviously sensitive to the past 24 hours and offensive line. So um, with that said, before we even – honestly jump in here um we should we should we should say uh our condolences actually to marty schonheimer who who passed away today um i think he was in his 80s um obviously an nfl legend brian schonheimer's son uh brian schonheimer is the son of of marty schonheimer so um obviously brian was close to the seahawks and and uh you know, we grew to love for him and, and honestly care for him. So, uh, you know, condolences to that entire family. Uh, that, that, that is just, that's brutal to lose a father. So, um, Brian, Marty, the whole family, we're thinking about you guys. We know you're great people. Everybody respects you. So our condolences are sent out to you. Um, Jeff, moving on to the chaos, the drama, the pain that is the Seattle Seahawks where do we even begin on this? And, and you know what, let me, let me close the chat so I can make sure 
I'm sorry, guys, that this is like a truly authentic conversation with you, Jeff. I, I do need you want to recap it or do you, do you want to just get into it? Let's recap it. Like what's, what's, what's top of mind? Like what are, what are the biggest things that happened for like, there's a lot that came out in the past 24 hours, I feel <laughs> yeah. like. So I, I assume anybody that tuned in tonight is probably generally aware of what's going on, but uh, Jeff, why don't you give us a quick recap? Okay. So things really escalated in the last 24 hours. So there was a report on Sunday, uh, Super Bowl Sunday where teams had inquired about Russell Wilson but the Seahawks weren't interested. And that just struck me as total bullshit. I'm like, all right, whatever. Ian Rappaport's just stirring the pot, whatever. Then uh, last night, things got real interesting when Jason Lackenfora, like pretty late at night last night on my time zone, different for you West Coasters, but he tweeted something that, and Jason is tight, not only with the Seahawks, but he's really tight with Russell's inside circle. They're, they've interviewed him. They tweeted out that Russell... Can we jump on that for one second? Everybody yeah. was shitting on JLC yeah. last night, and I don't 100% agree with that. Like, when it comes specifically to the Seahawks, JLC has somebody inside there. I don't know who it is. No. I don't know what side of the operations they're on, but he has somebody inside there, and I, and I am not going to defend the accuracy of his reports you know, with the rest of the NFL, but I, I do think he's more credible when it comes to the Seahawks. Yeah. And that's why I was going to say that was my next point. When he talks, he's really close with the Seahawks front office. And the interesting thing about him versus say a Rappaport is he's also really close with Russell's camp. And I know Jason interviewed Russell last year in the off season, and he's always been a guy who just, so you have to think there's a tie between him and Mark Rogers, who's Russell's agent, but he came out last night, like right before I went to bed, and he tweeted that Russell was annoyed with how much he's been sacked. And Russell's camp is genuinely upset that they haven't put an offensive line around him. And so I wake up this morning, I look at our chat for Real Hawk Talk, and there's like 30 missed messages. I missed a lot. And next, I, again, I thought, okay, Russell's agents just stirring the pot. It's day one of the offseason. He had the same takeaway of the Super Bowl than everyone else did. And he looked at my Twitter during the game. That's what I was tweeting. So then today is where things went like from zero to hundred because anyone could have construed that as just agent talk or bullshit, but Russell came out on the Dan Patrick show. And then he did a little impromptu presser with Seattle media mm -hmm. and he didn't just take the rumors. He had a lot to say starting from, wanting to do more in personnel and then wanting to control who the offensive line is and then saying the offensive line hasn't been good enough. And then just all the stuff about him and Russell and Pete Carroll and where they're at. It's such an interesting story right now. Yeah. You know, what's really weird about this whole conversation and I apologize. I'm, I'm going to be all over the place because I have a lot of, I have a lot of thoughts on this, Jeff. I'm curious um, where your head is at. Let me start off by saying this. Mark Rogers is very good at his job. Exceptionally good at his job. Uh, former baseball agent, uh, current NFL agent for Russell Wilson. But I believe he mostly dabbled in the MLB uh, yeah. pre-Russell Wilson. Um, Mark Rogers scares the living shit out of me. And I'll tell you why. He is such a seasoned, tough-ass negotiator <laughs> in the in those in those extension talks. Like, like let let's put away let's put away what's happened over the past twenty four hours. Yeah. Like Mark Rogers in those past two extension cycles with the Seahawks <laughs> has absolutely brutalized this football team. Well, it's funny. Base, like everyone laughs about the baseball agent thing, but like in baseball, players want to get to free agency. Yeah, like that's the agent's goal. And football, it almost never happens with quarterback. Yeah. But I think he's come in with that baseball mentality, and it's kind of fucked up. John and the guys, like he's taken them to the cleaners. Mark Rogers has taken John Schneider and Matt Thomas behind the woodshed. Yeah, <laughs> frankly, uh, he's doing. 
a phenomenal job of what his job is, and that is to represent Russell's interests and maximize his career earnings. Um, that's his solo job. His, his job is not to be a Seahawks fan. It's not to root for the Seattle Seahawks franchise. It's to make sure Russell is in the best position to succeed and to make as much money as possible, both you know, benefiting Russell Wilson and, of course, financially himself because he gets a percentage of every single payout that Russell Wilson does. So, that for a second, he doesn't have any other football clients. So if you're a typical NFL agent, you've got to really make sure you and, say, John Schneider – have a really good working relationship because you're going to have future clients. If you're Drew Rosenhaus, if you're Mark Rogers, you don't give a fuck. Yeah, no, you, and you shouldn't. Um, but I, 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 I guess uh, I just wanted to set that context first and just say like Mark Rogers is a name that's not being thrown around a lot, but he's paid to be the bad guy. And uh, this is most likely coming from Mark Rogers or, or, or somebody else close to <laughs> Russell. Uh, would you disagree with that or? Yeah, a hundred percent. That was my first thought when I saw it this morning. I'm like, all right, Mark, Mark's stirring the pot. He's up to something. So you would agree. Oh yeah. Mark, Mark, I think Mark is very strategic in how he does things. Um, like a lot of the time you'll hear Colin Coward come out and have these ill-timed Russell Wilson rants that like, He's very pro-Russ. He's very – it sounds like he's just relaying Mark's message. And I think Mark has chosen his guys in the media. And I think it's the guys he knows will kind of come out against the Seahawks. And I think he's been very good at what he's trying to accomplish. You know what's weird about this entire this entire conversation? And, and I'm not to say it's – I'm not trying to say it's not warranted, but like for the first half of this year, this offensive line was like the best offensive line Russell Wilson has had in his entire tenure with the Seahawks. I know. You know what I mean? Like we remember, like rewind back to uh, week six or seven or whatever it was. What was the narrative or the main point of conversation at that point? You know, besides Russell Wilson lighting it up, it was, holy shit, we finally have an offensive line. <laughs> We finally drafted a good rookie offensive lineman in Damian Lewis, who I think is good, by the way, and is a building block for the future. Um, but obviously, I, I, I think one of the underrated storylines of the Seattle Seahawks in, you know, in, in their second half of the 2020 season was the decline of pass protection, run blocking the offensive line as a whole. Um, Obviously, Russell Wilson played poorly. That is not um, excusing how poorly he played whatsoever. I just think it was a sort of a bit of underrated storyline as we got closer to the end of the season. W would you disagree with that? Or oh, No, I strongly agree. So when Russell started having that turnover fest, mm -hmm. like I think it was the Buffalo game and then the Rams game, a lot, there was a lot of different theories of just what the hell was going on. And there was a lot of talk both on Twitter and our thread, like maybe Russell's injured or maybe the coaches are asking him to do something different. So I actually have a couple contacts with the bills and I asked them, what did you guys see? Like what, why were you guys able to mess him up so much? And they told me straight up, they don't believe their offensive line is good. They thought it was a facade. Hmm. and something happened in the second half of the Arizona game where they start confusing them with blitzes and the bills and the Rams did the exact same thing. And those three games, there was a consistent pattern where the offensive line was breaking down, but everyone was just focusing on Russell. And a lot of people were like, he must be injured. He's throwing too much, blah, blah. And what I kept hearing is look deeper and you'll see something else. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden the injury started, Brett and shell got hurt. Uh, Ethan Posick got hurt a little bit and he was not the same after that. And Mike Upati's body couldn't hold up over 16 weeks. And, and I think, yeah, I think if you look in the second half of the season, yeah, Russell was a, there's a lot of issues of why Russell struggled, but the deterioration of the offensive line, obviously the lasting image of the Seahawks season was they're just flat inability to block the ramps. Can I, can I read what he said? Word for word. I, yeah. I think this is pretty bold. Yeah. For Russell Wilson. You know, if any other NFL quarterback said this, like if Aaron Rodgers said this, I'd be like, 
okay. Like, you know, whatever. Like, we hear that shit. Like, Aaron Rodgers passes the blame every day to somebody else. You know what I mean? But this is what Russell Wilson had to say, and this is from the ESPN article by Brady Henderson today. Like any player, you never want to get hit. That's the reality of playing this position. Ask any quarterback who wants to play this game. But at the same time, it's part of the job and everything else. I think the reality is that I've been hit. I've been sacked almost 400 times, so we've got to get better. I've got to find ways to get better too. He continues, and he's asked if he's frustrated with the Seahawks. Wilson said with a laugh, I'm frustrated about getting hit too much. I'm frustrated with that part of it. At the end of the day, you want to win. You know, I was – I'm going to let you jump in here, Jeff, and take the first sort of crack on on this quote, but I was sort of surprised with with some of the – conversation on Twitter around this around these comments today saying that Russell went too far that he wasn't protecting the team that he wasn't being a leader that's bullshit that's bullshit to me where where are you at on that <laughs> have you seen I've had like a full day of like different <laughs> trying to process this whole thing like my initial reaction was like well like Russell, a lot of those sacks were your fault. So True. But then True. the more I've thought about it, I've more trended in totally different directions. Um, first, it was like, what the fuck took so long? Why have you taken eight years to complain about this publicly? And why didn't you complain the year they had like 70 million in cap room and didn't sign Jack Conklin? Like, why do you have to wait till the year where they have no cap room to, to complain about this? Then, that is kind of a good point, though. It's like, it's like, why are we complaining about this now? Like the I offensive line has been the Super Bowl. fair and reasonable, but like the offensive line has been leagues worse in, in years before. So yeah. I, I just wanted to jump in, but continue. No, that was, that's where I went after that. I'm like, what the fuck took so long, Russell? We've been complaining about this on Twitter and on this podcast for basically seven years. I joked it's a 10 year project to fix this fucking offensive line. And then I'm like, then my next thought was like, I wonder what like Dwayne Brown was thinking reading that. And like, I'm sure those guys have like a group text going on being like, what the fuck? Yeah. I, I don't think anything he said was that crazy. No. Cause if you watch that Rams game and like, there were so many hot takes after that Rams game and there were so many things like <laughs> shoddy or Russ isn't good anymore or Russ is shell shocked. But if you watch the game and you really dug into that game, if like you're fully being honest, the problem was they couldn't block for shit. I am frustrated about getting hit too much. I'm frustrated with that part of it. At the end of the day, you want to win. I'm yeah. sorry, but nothing nothing out of that is out of bounds. No, and if- it, it is it is calling out a specific position group on the roster that does need improvement. Yeah. He did not call out uh Ethan Posick or or um Mike Upati individually and say, Mike Upati, that guy really sucks. Like the Seahawks should not bring him back. Like total piece of shit. Like gave up to- so many sacks on me. Ru- Russell did not say that. No. He said, we want to get better and we want to win. How is that offensive to people? I literally do not understand that. We want to be better. We, yeah. we we want to be better as a fucking team, as a fucking roster, as a fucking unit. We want to win more football games. If you are offended by winning football games, I don't know what to tell you. But this, in my opinion, Jeff, that those comments were outrageous to me that people were saying like he went too far. Like, what what's he supposed to say? Is he supposed to say? Is he supposed to say when he's asked that question? Actually. The offensive line was amazing this year. They they got better. See, it's funny. It's so funny because the things that – when those big stories about the Seahawks came out years ago, the stuff we presume were certain members of the team were not pro-Russ, the story on Russell was he was too positive when shit was going bad. He was kind of the coach's pet. And years later, now the story is he's too mean to his teammates and – He's him and him and Pete don't get along. So it's funny how that's changed, but I agree with you because it's the shit that we've been saying. And if you asked me two weeks ago, and I'm sure you would have had the same answer. What's the area of this team that needs to be fixed. 
everything Russell said is exactly what I would have said. I don't, I think the prevailing thought was maybe you should have done this behind closed doors, protect the team. They're, they're shell shocked because Russell's always so positive. I don't think there's anything wrong with what he did. And I, I think he's right. Like, what did he My question to the fans who say he went too far, show me the exact quote where you feel he went too far. What did he it, say specifically that went yeah. too far? Nothing. The way he did it that people didn't like. But like, you're a fucking football player. You're a superstar athlete. Part of your job is dealing with the media. Is he, is he supposed to lie? I don't know. I don't know what people want. I think like he, he did it as, let me put it this way. He did it gracefully. Like, like the media frenzy on Twitter and everything like that, which of course I played a part in um, was, you know, they ran with it, you know, and, and that's not Russell's fault. Like Russell's not saying he wants to be traded from Seattle. Like those are all media speculation. R- Russell yeah. did not say in this Dan Patrick interview, I want to be traded from the Seattle Seahawks. He did not say that. He said, I want us to be better. We to be better on the offensive line. There's nothing wrong with that. He's right. I, I, I'm trying to put it. I, I can just totally see what he was going through. Cause <laughs> I know during, if you read my tweets during the Super Bowl, Jeff, how depressed did he look at the Super Bowl? That's, that's, <laughs> this is my whole point. When he's sitting there and Goodell and Sierra were talking to each other, he had this look of like, I want to die. And like, he, he looked so upset and just my thought of the Super Bowl itself, everyone's like, there's a lot of people that are like, what happened to Mahomes and all this shit. If you watched Mahomes offensive line. And if, for me, the biggest takeaway from that game, honestly, was how much time Tom Brady had. And he's sitting there probably thinking like, why the fuck am I not playing? And then he sees Mahomes running in circles. So he's like, Oh, I've yeah. seen this shit before. <laughs> and then he sees Brady like dropping back five seconds, five seconds. And he's like, yeah, I fucking want that. And they dominated it. Cause it's funny. Last year he came out of the Super Bowl and he was like, okay, I want to be the chiefs. Like let's go up tempo. Let's get all these guys. Let's get superstars. Yeah. And now he comes back a year later and he's like, okay, I don't want to be the chiefs. I want the offensive line. Jeff, this reminds me of something Ben Baldwin tweeted today. I know Ben Baldwin is a controversial, controversial name around Seahawks fans, but I like, I like Ben. I like Ben too, but he uh, tweeted something that was, really really funny around that super block okay okay hold up by pass block win rate okay which is which is made by espn not pro football focus 10 of russell wilson's final 11 games in the 2020 season had worse pass protection worse pass protection than what mahomes had in the super bowl 10 (laughs) did you see that tweet no, Ten of those eleven games. So <laughs> imagine the freakout that the media had around the pass protection that Patrick Mahomes got in the Super Bowl this last Sunday. You know how he's running for his life, how he's going to die. He had turf toe, everything like that. Russell deals with that and worse on a daily, weekly basis. And that's what I mean. He's probably looking at that and being like, holy shit, this is what I'm fucking doing every week. And then he looks across the field and they invested a lot in the center a couple of years ago, the Bucks, And that guy is awesome. And Seattle's had a, run, a turnstile at center since Max Unger left. And they drafted a right tackle in the first round this year. He allowed one sack this year. Seahawks had Cedric Obwehi playing right tackle a lot of the second half of the year. And he sees Antonio Brown, the guy he's lobbying for, uh, score a touchdown in the Super Bowl. And he's probably sitting there just being like, you got to be fucking kidding me. This is everything I wanted. And these guys just beat the Chiefs by fucking 30 points. And I think the timing of it is so obvious. Just watching that, seeing his, uh, seeing his fucking ideal roster – Russell's face was a similar expression I present to my wife when she says we can't get in and out that night. Oh man. And no, that was not a sexual dirty analogy. It was referring to the burgers. Um, which sounds really good right now, by the way, have you had in and out Jeff? Oh yeah. in and outs incredible. Bro. What are you doing? Move, move to me. 
Oh, I wish. <laughs> you just need a fucking winter hat. I'm in fucking <laughs> you just, zero conditions. You just need that marriage license, right? Or yeah, something like that. Cool. Don't we tell my get... girlfriend that, but yeah. <laughs> she's Canadian, I assume. Yeah, she, she's. Need no. to reconsider things, Jeff. Uh, <laughs> I complain to her like every week. She's tired of me. Does she watch the show? She has, but she has no idea like what's going on. Like, she could not tell you any anything. Like, if, unless I said like Ciara's husband. Like, that's the only way. Does she know you're like an international superstar? Yeah, like I've done the show from her, like with her, and like she, she I tried to explain like how I know you was very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> this fucking oh, like freak. When I, I went to Seattle for the the Ravens game last year. Yeah, I stayed at Brian's house, and she's like, "How do you know this guy?" <laughs> this is like right around we start dating, and I'm like, "I'm swear," and she's like, "You're gonna get killed." I'm so bummed I couldn't be there. I don't remember why I couldn't. Um, I think I was moving or something. I don't you know. Remember. Everything that weekend was great. The game was horrible. So. You- that was the Ravens game, you said? Yeah, the Seahawks. Oh. Yeah. So, but we had like 30 people from Seahawks Twitter at a bar before the game with Will, and it was pretty cool. That is cool. Uh, I don't know how we got on that tangent. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> You're always good for an in and out discussion yeah. with me. Um, oh, yeah, that's amazing. There were, there were a couple other components I wanted to talk. Oh, this is what I wanted to mention. This discussion of okay you know russell's complaining that his offensive line isn't good enough somehow turned into oh shit russell needs to take a pay cut to make this happen and can i just like lay into this asinine argument for a second well i'm guessing number one they didn't read your article today (laughs) Folks, the man who keeps you competitive and at bare minimum gives you a playoff entrance every single year, his salary is not your problem. The man keeping you competitive is not your problem. What is your problem is how Seattle's uh, Seattle's management chooses to allocate, invest, and spend two types of resources – their cap dollars, so their salary cap space, and number two, their draft resources. Seattle has completely, and this is not, I do not think this is an over-exaggeration, they have catastrophically failed at protecting Russell Wilson over the past decade. So I'm not talking about just the past year. I'm, I'm talking about the past 10 years of Russell Wilson's career. He has dealt with some of the worst offensive lines in, in the league. Few quarterbacks, if any, you know, would come into the league behind those offensive lines and and stay alive, stay durable, stay healthy, stay on the field, let alone be good. Seattle has invested a shit ton of draft capital the past decade into offensive line. Less less so in the past five years but they have a strong track record of completely and utterly fucking it up both in the draft and in free agency. I wanted to hit on this one point, actually, Jeff. Yeah. Um, everybody's like, Oh, the Seahawks don't have cap space this year. They're fucked. Russell Wilson is being paid so much money, blah, blah, blah. Uh, first of all, all of that is not true. Uh, uh, selfish plug, arrogant plug. I'm sorry. Go read my piece on Hawk Bogger that I, angrily and feverishly wrote today uh, during lunchtime. Uh, But do you want to know, Jeff, how the Seahawks spent, and I'm just trying to pull it up, $53 million cap space from last season? I I said this. Russell should have complained last year when they had all that fucking money. The Seahawks had $53 million in cap space last year, okay, entering the offseason. They spent nine of it. 9 million on offensive line. Okay. Now one of those moves did hit. So I'm going to, I'm going to start off with a positive. The Brandon shell acquisition ended up being maybe the one, one of the best value return on investment deals on this roster. So kudos to the Seahawks for that acquisition. They spent 
nearly 10 million on Jaron Reed, 7 million on Greg Olson, 6 million on Bruce Irvin, 3.5 million on BJ Finney, who's not on the roster anymore. Brandon Shell, 3.5 million. Quinton Dunbar, 3.4 million, who's not on the roster. Jacob Hollister, 3.3 million, who's not on the roster. Benson Mayoa, 3 million, who's not on the roster. Carlos Hyde, 3 million, who's not on the roster. Mike Upati, 2.5 million, who's not on the roster. Cedric Obehi, 2.2 mil, who's not on the roster. Brandon Jackson, 2.1 mil, who's not on the roster. David Moore, 2.1 mil, who's not on the roster. And Geno Smith, $1 million, who's not on the roster. I think you just got to the exact issue with the Seahawks. The Seahawks do not have a cap space issue. No. They they have a personnel ma- management. I, I don't know what the right word is. Talent identification, talent scouting, whatever it is. When it comes to offensive line, 90, per- 90 probably more percent of their decisions have failed catastrophically. Do you know what move I was reminded of the other day? Jeff, that um, like really broke my heart. Oh, uh, no. You're going to take another swig of whatever you're drinking in a uh, second. I got some whiskey. Do you remember the Jari Evans situation? <laughs> Do you remember that? I think that was the low point of like the Tom Cable Seahawks. What Was that 2016? Was that 2016? Uh, yeah, it was 2016. So – Quick recap on that because I think it's funny. Seahawks brought in Jairi Evans. I think it was the last year of Tom Cable and, and Daryl Bevel, I think. I think it, it was one of their last couple of years uh, before, you know, Pete did the whole rebuild and stuff like that. But uh, Jairi Evans got brought into camp out of retirement, I think, or had been like out of the league for a year or, or maybe had gotten injured and was, you know, his deal with the Saints, basically. Longtime guard for the Saints, all pro with them, total stud, interior offensive lineman came in onto Tom Cable's offensive line and uh, Tom Cable was like, this guy sucks. Like third string training camp body, like immediately delegated downgraded to the third string. He was cut. So he was cut removed in camp. He signed with the Saints like a week later. So he returned to the Saints and had an absolutely insane year with them. It was like a top five guard, like in the NFL, in the NFL that year. That's not a joke. That's not overstating it. Like he was a top five guard. He was so good. He was old, but he was really good for that year. It's just, I think that goes to show like this, this team, like they could open up a ton of cap space and they might make the right, you know, purchase in free agency. I feel like it'd be kind of hard to fuck it up, but at the end of the day, Jeff, I don't trust them to make the right decision. (laughs) And that sucks. It's reasonable because they have gotten better in the last couple of years since Tom Cable's been out of the building and their drafting has been a little clearer, but now that they're kind of switching schemes offensively and we don't know what kind of offensive linemen they're going to look for anymore. It's hard to, it's just, there's so many things like that. Jerry Evans thing was so stupid that any idiot off the street could have been like, all right, just play the guy. He's, like a halt he has like an all pro track record and they're like no he's third string he sucks and they played <laughs> like how many losers on that offensive line were just like out of the league now and or just how many guys like as soon as they left seattle became good like mark lewinsky still starting on one of the best lines in the nfl and jeff this team's gonna be the fucking death of me it's just it's, <laughs> there's so many stupid things like john continually saves himself with these trades where he got like Quandre Diggs to bury yeah. out situations and he got Dwayne Brown and he got um, Dunlap last year after one of the dumbest off seasons I've ever seen. <laughs> um, it's just like, you mentioned the $45 million last year and like Brandon Shell did have a good year, but 53 million, but yes. Yeah. Yeah. Even worse. <laughs> and like Jack Conklin was an all pro right tackle this year. He signed for a reasonable contract. If you take away, say, Greg Olson or Bruce Irvin, you put yeah. an extra $7 million towards right tackle. That, these are the things that I just don't understand what they're doing. It's like – I feel like this is the mentality they've had the past decade. They know Russell's mobile. Yeah. They know he's super durable. Like that's one of his best traits is he's extremely durable especially considering the amount of hits, not, you know, we saw 400 something sacks in his career. That's not how many hits he's had in his career, his hits. I don't want to know the number to that. Uh, 
The amount of times uh, Clay Matthews has cheap shotted him over the past five years. Fuck that guy, by the way. Yeah, I'm glad but, I um, him this year. <laughs> yeah, no, pra- praise God for that. But um, where was I going with this? Uh, what even was I talking about? QB hits. Something with QB hits. Something with QB hits. Durability. <laughs> God, I lost my train of thought. Fuck. Um, well, I'll just say this. It's odd because when they came into – when Pete got here, they really prioritized the line. Like Russell Okun was the first pick. Yeah. Carpenter was the Oh, yeah, you reminded yeah. me, bro. You reminded me, bro. They had this mentality the past decade of yeah. like, hey, he's durable. We can kind of skip on the offensive line. Like remember when they did, went with Jamarcus Webb and Bradley Sowell? Like two of the most ludicrously dumb decisions in, <laughs> in football history. Like a former tight end to play left tackle, Bradley Sowell for the Seahawks. They just go cheap on the offensive line. And honestly, like, Russell's getting kind of old, man. Like, he's going to be 33 in November. I want to be super clear about something. Russell's prime is not in the future. It's now. The window is now. His talent peaking is now. The clock is ticking. You have I I could I feel like I can reliably say that the Seahawks will have four more years of a good Russell Wilson. So 37, 38. He could probably I think he's going to play at, at a high level beyond that age, but there's no guarantee. Mm-hmm. Like there's no guarantee. He he very well may beat the odds. But there's no guarantee. He could, his play could fall off a cliff. You have these three to four years to maximize this window. Whatever you have to do from a, from a personnel acquisition perspective, whether it's a trade, drafting, you know, purchasing, all of the above, you have to maximize this window. These hits are building up. And frankly, 95% of the damage has already been done but we have to keep him upright for the next three to four years. Yes. Russell takes too many sacks on his own uh, cause, you know, or that not disputing any of that. Like that is absolutely a real issue that honestly, frankly, and I mentioned this in our real hot talk chat today, I would like to see him take public ownership for like a good 20 to 30% of those 400 something sacks. And I think, you know, Derek from our chat shared a stat, you know, that's that confirmed basically it was like in the low to mid 20s percentage of, of what, you know, sacks he's responsible for. I would like to see Russell take public ownership for taking less sacks, you know, if he's going to come out and say this stuff about the offensive line. So it's just time, man. Like we can't, we, I love John Schneider. I, I think he's overall a brilliant GM, but like we can't wait till wave two or wave three of free agency, man, where it's like, you're kind of hunting for a deal. Maybe, maybe you strike lucky on a bounce back guy. Like we can't do that, man. Like even if it's leveraging, you know, our, our cap health in, in a couple of years down the road, when Russell is really old and maybe about to retire to me, that's worth it. Maximizing this window for the next three to four years. And it, it, and especially if they get a super bowl out of it, like it's, t- it's time to stop being cheap. It yep. really is. And that I'm sorry. That's my like that's my little rant. No, it's just so there's just such a weird disconnect in how they build their team. Like they're so cheap there, which is if you look around football and no matter how the game changes and how analytics gets changed and all this stuff, offensive line and pass protection is still so important. And you, you mentioned Ben all the time. Ben is always pushing pass pass blocking win rate and how important pass protection is. And I know we all spend a lot of time on like who the third receiver is and who the tight end is and this stuff, which I do think is important, but all this shit doesn't matter until they fix this. And you got to build your team to win your division and we play Aaron Donald. And this year they didn't even have to play Chandler Jones or Nick Bosa. Fucking Nick Bosa. And you need to pretty able to protect those guys. That's six games a year. You're going to be playing guys like that. So the fact that they've kind of cheaped out and tried to skimp and with the cap, you always got to kind of skimp somewhere. Some teams think cornerback is a good place to get young guys in. Some people like 
skilled positions. Running back is a good place to skim. Hopefully the Seahawks learn that this year. Um, but offensive line is not one of those. Unless you have a consistent history of drafting well, which the Seahawks have wasted more draft capital than any other team in the league. So I think it's – I agree. I could not agree with you more. If they come back and they keep doing what they've been doing and they keep trying to find value, they're going to fail. It's you know going to be the- shit over and over and over. You know what the positive spin on this, though, is? It's uh, There's opportunity in free agency this year. Yeah. With the offensive line. Like there are some, there's two or three guards that are really, really interesting. Thune is one, uh, Corey Lindsley at center. Um, there's that, uh, which, what, God, what's the guard's name that I'm missing? Um, the Washington guy? Shreff. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Sheriff or yeah. Shreff. Uh, he's like a top three guard in the NFL. Yeah just a total stud um there's opportunity in free agency for them to address you know key positions on the offensive line you know ethan posick is a free agent i i don't think they're going to bring him back i i don't think he's a guy my perspective has really fluctuated on him but i think i'm finally (laughs) landing in a in a place like where i'm like okay we can probably let him walk. You know, like he's kind of just like a new Justin. He's just a guy. Just you know what I mean? He was stable compared to the shit we were used to. So we're totally. Like, oh, we have a center. Like he could be way worse. Like, but he's also not like some high upside guy. You know, that's going to be calling. You know, protections no, I, on the line. And I know there's all the school of thought, like oh, the center position is easy to fill and doesn't matter. But then I watched what like the Buck Center did, and that guy was a dominant player for them. I saw what the Packers Center, who is a free agent, did all year. Corey Lindsley. Corey Lindsley, yeah. And if that's a spot you you want to spend on, especially with the defensive tackles you got to play against in this division, fuck, go spend that money. Don't spend on Bruce Irvin. Spend on the guy who's protecting your most valuable asset. And the fact that they haven't figured this out in ten years is why Russell's gone to this point. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. We've been saying this all since the season ended because that Rams game was direct proof of what's wrong with this team. Still. Yeah. And one thing I'll say, I, I just kind of seeing in this in the chat, like for the record, um, I don't think Russell Wilson's being traded. It's not, it's not going to happen. Like 98% certainty. It's not going to happen. Well, maybe not 98%. I'd say like, 90% certainty. <laughs> I would love to be a fly on the wall for Pete and John today. I, because I've heard like John thinks Russell is like by far the best player in the world. Yeah. And we've all have our theories on how Pete views Russell. And Brandon Marshall came out today with his views on that. God, and- how stupid was, I'm sorry. How absolutely dumb was that? I know. Brandon he said so many things that were just actually wrong. Like he was talking about the offense one, like it was still 2018. He talked about how the team never drafts offensive linemen. They've drafted more than it, probably any other team. They just suck in it. Yeah. Uh, there was something else he said. I can't remember what it was. It was just completely wrong. Oh, that Russell had no say in the offensive coordinator hired when like they hired his guy. Yeah, this is, but he keeps coming out. Like, I don't know if that if Russell would go to that guy. They played eight, like eight, six games together or something. Here's the thing that gives me pause, Jeff. Russell is so focused on, you know, going down as one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time and, and sustainably winning and playing into his 40s. He keeps talking about, like, playing till I think, 45 years old. Like, he says it every other week, if it feels like. If – if they can't get it together on the offensive line, that does pose a legitimate threat to like his core goals as a person and as a player. Oh yeah. It's- so I, I, I could see that being like a legitimate wedge, which could drive, you know, maybe a, a legitimate trade offer one day. I think if they don't get this figured out, not maybe not this year, but definitely the year in the next two year window. Mm-hmm. I think that could be the, this could be the beginning of the end of Russell in Seattle. And I know it. So let me, let, so I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah. 
let me ask you this question. And it's a yes or a no answer. Okay. Is this the beginning of, of a breakup between the Seattle Seahawks and Russell Wilson? And I'm not defining when that breakup is happening. I'm just saying or asking, is this the beginning of a breakup? Yes. I don't think he will finish his career in Seattle. I think, I think there's just, I think the agent wants to see him somewhere else at some point, whether it's the end of this contract or they get to the point where they just, they get to the point of the QB scale where they don't think it's worth it anymore. I do think unless they magically fix this offensive line, win a couple Super Bowls, get this thing back in order. I think, I don't think it's going to come anytime soon. So don't, everyone don't think we're being over the top. I think at some point, probably the end of this this contract he's on, once you're going to have to pay him again on the top of the scale. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's what they're going to want to do. You just reminded me of one other fun component of this whole nightmare. Um, and that's what I'm calling it, nightmare. Uh, everybody keeps saying Russell has a no trade clause. Okay, so people have this confused. What yeah. a no trade clause means is that the player can't be traded without – and this is the key without his consent. Yeah, no trade clauses actually gives the player more control. Exactly. So so a player can absolutely be traded with a no trade clause. The player just has to consent. So the play it gives the player more control in terms of A, is he traded or not? And B, who does he get traded to? Because if you say you're gonna trade me to the Jags, you can just say, No, I don't want to go to there. So that confuses a lot of people. And I, I get why it confused a lot of people. But. Yeah, because I'm sure there was a part of a bunch of us that was just like, okay, Russell, you don't like it here. Now we're going to trade you to Houston. <laughs> yeah, you like it there. But they, they can't do that. I, I just – man, this rubs Russ, me the wrong way. I'm just seeing some comments in the chat. And it's like sick of Russ and his, and his I think that, attitude, I think man. Like, shell-shocked. Russ comes off as this politician, always says the right thing. He's Derek Jeter. He's Barack Obama. Like, he always has the perfect thing to say. And this was just so abnormal for Russell. And I think think it's shell shock. I think they don't – they're not used to seeing this, and they have an image of him, and they think this is just totally out of line for him. And I think it's development. I think it's good. Like when we, we were all pissed at Pete a lot more last year. And we all, a lot of us said the only way this changes because they don't have a typical owner structure. We don't even know who Pete's reporting to. The only way this changes is if Russell starts getting public about this stuff. And last year he asked for superstars and hopefully that, that might've led to the Jamal Adams trade. And there's still questions about whether that was smart, but. I just like, what I don't understand is like, why is Russell Wilson why is Russell Wilson enforcing accountability to his peers, his colleagues, his you know his teammates? Why is that a bad thing? Like I don't know why why is demanding and expecting the best out of your colleagues like a bad thing? Like to me those are the traits of a leader. He 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 could have gone too far easily. And had said something like, you know, like I said earlier, like called out a specific player and said like he in this game, you know, got me sacked or injured or whatever. But like he didn't do that. He just said we need to be better. He didn't even say you they need to be better. He said we need to be better. Yeah. And it's funny. Uh, I don't know if you ever listened to the Pat McAfee show. I do actually. Hi. Yeah. He is a great media personality. By the he way. is. So one thing he said a couple months ago or weeks ago, I, I'm drinking. I don't remember my timeline, but <laughs> he said he was on the Colts. All of, he said the one thing that Andrew Luck that he didn't have in him, he said he was too nice. And he said that Luck never complained. And like the previous Colts regime, like they botched, like we think Schneider and them are fucked. If you look at like Ryan Grigson's track record, it is one of the worst things of wasting like a franchise yeah. quarterback. And he said Luck never complained to the front office, never stood up. And now looking at this team and seeing what like they've done in this new regime, he looks back and he says, yeah, like Luck should have come out and complained more, but that just wasn't in him. So it's funny to hear that. And then all of a sudden have Seahawks fans being like, why is Russell complaining? Like, why is he acting like Aaron Rodgers? Blah, blah, blah. 
like, do we really want to look back in 10 years and be like, well, like Russell should have complained more. Like, are we, are we happy to accept this like first round exit every year, the second round exit? Like, this is the thing we're pissed about. The team is plateaued. Like, I don't see why we don't want him to complain. This is what we need them to take them over the hump. this team is going to be the death of me it's it's so frustrating because if you like go back in history and you look at all the things they could have done and like it's easy to do that with like a draft and like well they should have taken this guy and they should have taken this guy and they've been some they've drafted so fucking bad especially at the top of the draft but just like the history of free agent moves and like the things they could have done to kind of push this thing forward it's so frustrating. It's- you know what? You know what's even more frustrating about this? And I thought this to I was thinking today I was like thinking of ways they could acquire, you know, better offensive line talent and fill those left guard, those center positions. And obviously, you know, one of the most obvious ways is free agency. And there are some real legit names there, but you could also trade for offensive linemen. And then I was like, oh wait. Our our most prized draft capital is gone. Because we invested it on a safety like this team is kind of fucked that's the thing like like i like jamal adams i like him more than a lot of people he i thought he really helped kind of change the mentality of the defense which was kind of gone soft but like we said this a lot it really is important if you had a great rant earlier about like stop complaining about how much money russell wilson makes it is ridiculous He's a quarterback. That's what they are paid. Look what Jared Goff makes. Russell does not make too much money. Stop complaining about that. They've invested their assets and their draft capital. They have an $18 million linebacker. They traded two first-round picks and a third-round pick for a, a box safety. And it's just – and they paid a lot of money to Jaron Reed. And The Seahawks spent like $28 fucking million last year on Jaron Reed, Greg Olson, Bruce Irvin – and there was one other, I forget who it was, but like they, I I just don't, Jeff, I will never get the, like, we're going to complain about our franchise quarterback, our most valuable talented player who constantly keeps us competitive and in games, despite everything that coaching does. And that that's an exaggeration, but, but I'm drinking and you get my point. Like, but say you resign Jamal, say he gets 18 million a year. Yeah. That might even be too optimistic. Um, then all of a sudden you have $36 million, the same as Russell essentially, invested in a 31-year-old middle linebacker in a safety that's not a coverage guy. And so you have to ask yourself, like, that's not a Russell thing. They could have spent 10 – or say you take the same price they paid for Jamal and you paid for, like, a top offensive lineman. Say you gave a one and a three, like what could you have gotten? It's easy to do this in hindsight, but like it's hard to see how they're trying to build their team. Like it almost seems random. It almost seems like there's no vision of like this is our plan to like enhance Russell. Like, well, Jeff, it feels like Russell's goals as a player and as a person are incompatible with Pete Carroll's belief and philosophical vision in terms of how he wants to build a football team. Yeah, they're, di- you know, they're diverging paths. They're that, diverging. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what this whole thing has built around. And like you could easily, on one hand, watch what happened in the Tampa Bay game and say, like, yeah, that's sort of how Pete wants to play. Like, don't turn the ball over, play safe on offense, play good defense. But you can say all that, but then they don't build an offensive line. And that's a huge part of how you play that way. And they don't spend last year on pass rushers and they spend all their money on weird positions. And it's just like his mentality goes against how they're building the team. And it sort of goes against where, where Russell wants to go, because I think Russell wants to ideally have an offense more like the chiefs. Yeah. And that goes against what Pete wants to do. So I think when there's a lot of questions about Russell's future in Seattle, him and Pete are just an odd mix. They go against each other in a lot of ways, their philosophies and their mentality. 
of how they want to play does not like personality wise, Pete and Russell are very similar, but I think totally. they match. So they're super positive people. They lead the same way, but in terms of football philosophy, it does not mesh. And the whole don't turn the ball over played safe. I don't know if that's Russell anymore. I think that was Russell at the beginning of his career. Let's end this. Let's wrap this up. I know, I know it's a work night for you and it's much later where you are than I am. Uh, are there any components that we missed? I'm just trying to th- rack my brain through all the chaos and pain tweets today. Um, we'll have our show tomorrow night in, ca- in case we forgot anything. And, and I know we're going to probably cover this with the rest of the group, the rest of the squad in, in deeper review tomorrow night. But I just, I'm bummed out about this, man. Like I, this is not enjoyable. Yeah, I'm kind like, of fired up about it. I'm not kind of the opposite. I'm kind of excited. Like, I think they needed a kick in the ass. I agree. They needed a kick in the ass, but where I'm, let me know if you disagree with me. I I struggle to have hope that John Schneider is going to effectively resolve this situation and and build. That's reasonable. That's, that's where my not excitement is, (laughs) is my lack of hope. (laughs) Yeah. If you, they do like, if they don't land DK Metcalf in the draft, like this would have been one of the worst stretches of drafting you could have ever seen because they botched so many things just by trying to outthink the room and having their weird ways of going around this. But I think one thing that I found kind of funny is just how quickly this came after like Russell was nominated as like man of the year. <laughs> and then like three days later, all of a sudden it's like, he comes out. It's like totally new side. Like we need to fix my fucking offensive line. Actually I'll end on this. Let's end on this. The Seahawks have a talented roster. They do. They have talent all across the roster. Yes, there are position groups to to address, but if the Seahawks can go into free agency and, you know, really plug a key few, you know, O-line positions of need, mainly left guard and center, really, you know, and, and, and purchase some premium pieces, which are available and are there, that this team could be positioned well for 2021. Will they do that? I have no idea. I would probably even bet against it, but you know, Russell's camp is showing frustration and, and this is bold. Like, like the JLC tweet from last night, I think it was, was like, okay, Mark Rogers is leaking it, you know, but, but Russell was pressed today on the Dan Patrick show. And what he said, although, you know, what I think was appropriate and in, and in reasonable tone was bold for Russell Wilson. Oh yeah. And I don't think this is nothing, but I also don't think like it's something where it's like, Oh, Russell's being traded tomorrow. I, 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 I just think there's a sense of urgency from Russell's side that the clock is ticking. You know, the window is now his peak is now we've been talking about it for years. You know, Russell's peak is coming. Well, guess what? It's here. It's now the window is now the clock is ticking. It's ride or die. So (sighs) I think you can disagree with how he did it. And I think you can question things considering he just had the worst stretch of his career, but I don't think you can disagree with the message. And I think if you are, I think you got to go back and evaluate what he's saying because he's right. Yeah. Well, Hey, you can disagree all you want with how he did it again. What? Oh, you, I'm sorry. You're, you're good. It was probably my. No, I'm just saying. I freaked out for a second. Yeah, Russell, he's right. Like I, I know you might not agree with Aaron Rodgers' kind of style of how he did it, but. But was he wrong? No, he he's right. He's yeah. absolutely right. Like, I've been saying it since that Rams game. They yeah. can't keep putting out this shit offensive line, and they can't hope that Russell's going to save them every freaking year because. Eventually, he's going to get hurt if this keeps up. And eventually, they're not going to progress. And, like, yeah, like, they can sign a third receiver all they want. Like, you can sign Allen Robinson. But if you don't fix this offensive line, yeah, the same shit's going to happen. Well, Jeff, cheers, brother. Um, it's uh, good to chat with you. Wait, my my uh, little truly can didn't even show on the camera. That's so funny. Um, cheers, brother. It's, it's good chatting. 
Seahawks football with you. Um, I'm glad we're two crazy lunatics who, who share the same passion for, you know, uh, an abusive spouse in the Seattle Seahawks. So psychologically abusive, of course. Um, but yeah, but hopefully, hopefully the Seahawks can figure it out. We'll have more on the show tomorrow night, but, um, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, we have, we have Brian and Dana coming on tomorrow. So you'll mm. probably hear a very different <laughs> perspective. You know, that's a very interesting way of putting it. A very different perspective. Yeah. Me and Evan are very aligned in how we think a, a lot of the time. Those two always have. Yeah. It's, we have Nathan and Derek on one side. And they, balance us, they balance us out. And, yeah. and, and that's a good thing. You know, they're more positive leaning and yeah, I'm very curious how they take, how they took everything. They both hate Russell Wilson. I'm just kidding. That's not yeah, true. Dana <laughs> thinks I hate Russell Wilson. So. It's funny. We'll, we'll see how that goes tomorrow. Well, Hey everybody. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Real Hawk talk on Twitter. Uh, make sure to subscribe and toggle that little bell icon. That way you will be alerted for pain and chaos podcast ramblings with Jeff and Evan when we randomly decide to do this. And actually, before we go, this reminded me of one last thing. This guy messaged us, big fan of the show. Okay. Pulling up his name, Graham K. It's your birthday, buddy. February 27th. I heard you are a huge Seahawks fan and you love the Real Hawk Talk show. I know you're from the UK. You listen to every single one of our podcasts. Uh, February 27th is your birthday. Happy birthday, man. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a loyal listener. And I'll just say you and I share the same birthday, February 27th. That's crazy. Um, You're probably a little bit older than me, but uh, you're probably much wiser than me. So thanks again, Graham K. Super appreciate you being a loyal listener to the show. With that said, everybody, uh, thanks for tuning in. Uh, We will see you guys tomorrow night. That is episode 142.